BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Public Radio in San Francisco. This is Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled a plan yesterday to provide $600 stimulus checks to a projected two-thirds of Californians. Additional proposals include rent relief and increased child and home care funding. The state's budget surplus is projected at $75.7 billion. And Newsom has until this Friday to submit his updated budget proposal. We'll talk about the plan and what it means for the state. That's next on Forum right after this news. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Governor Gavin Newsom unveiled his $100 billion California comeback plan yesterday, including a proposal to provide $600 stimulus checks to a projected two-thirds of Californians. Additional proposals include rent relief and increased child and home care funding. Here's Newsom at yesterday's press conference. Um, I'm about to make an announcement no other governor in California history has ever made, and I would argue no governor in American history has ever made. Uh, Today we're announcing a $75.7 billion budget surplus. That's right. The state's budget surplus is at a whopping almost $76 billion. And Newsom has until this Friday to submit his updated budget proposal to lawmakers. We're going to talk about his budget plan's potential impacts, both economically and politically, ahead of this upcoming gubernatorial recall election we're expecting. Joining me now are Scott Schaefer, senior editor for KQED's California Politics and Government Desk and co-host of Political Breakdown with yours truly. Scott, welcome to Forum. Hey, Marisa. Fun to be on this side. You've, you've usually been interviewing me on the show, you know? I'm a little scared. <laughs> you should be now. Um, also joining us, Alexi Kossif, state capital reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. Alexi, thanks for taking the time. Hey there, and thanks so much for having me on. I'm glad we were able to squeeze it in before the governor's next press conference this morning. Um, and in a minute, I'm going to bring in Assemblymember Phil Ting. He represents District 19 in California State Assembly, which is in San Francisco. He's also budget chair in the Assembly. But before we get to the Assemblymember, Alexi, can you just kind of go over what we know about this this proposal, right? We're talking almost $76 billion surplus. That's more than the deficit was last year. Um, 
And my understanding is about half of it will automatically go to budget reserves, savings, and schools. What's Newsom so far proposing to do with the rest? Yeah, um, absolutely. So you're right that a large chunk of the money that is um, has come in above expectations is going to be set aside for schools and other mandatory spending, but that still leaves a huge amount of money, $38 billion in this discretionary surplus that um, the governor and lawmakers are going to have to decide how to spend. And um, some of those ideas are starting to trickle out over the course of this week. Uh, The biggest one that we've heard of so far is a second round of state stimulus. Earlier this year, um, the state approved $600 direct stimulus checks for low-income Californians, uh, you know, to help them through the effects of the pandemic. And um, they're coming back now and saying, let's do it again. Let's do it even bigger. Let's put another $8 billion toward that, raise, you know, raise the cap to include middle-income families, give uh, additional money to families with kids, to undocumented immigrants. And um, so that could be a really big piece of this. Um, there, There are other... Uh, ideas that are also floating out there um, because there's also a a lot of money that's flowing in from the federal government. So there's additional money to expand the rent relief program for renters who have been unable to uh, keep up with their bills during uh, the pandemic. There is, um, there's ideas to put money toward helping with this drought that is getting worse and worse by the day. Um, And just this morning, the governor said he wants to put almost $9 billion toward expanding his home key program, which is uh, was created last year to convert hotels and motels into homeless housing. So, so all a lot, kinds of ideas already out yeah, there. Yeah, a lot here. And later we're going to talk about rental relief and, and other things. But um, we're talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposals, including these $600 stimulus checks for California taxpayers who make up to $75,000 a year. And I want to bring in Assemblymember Phil Ting, who I mentioned chairs the Budget Committee. Good morning, Assemblymember. Good morning, Risa. So you got to Sacramento in 2012 when the state was starting to come out of its uh, pretty deep last recession. But I mean, what a difference (laughs) today it is to be budget chair. You were there with Newsom um, when he unveiled this yesterday. So should I read into that to say that you guys are broadly sort of on board with what the governor is looking to do here? Well, we released an assembly budget blueprint, and one of the things that we talked about was to expand the Golden State stimulus and to provide more support to individuals who are facing very, very tough times. And just to give you a sense of context of the $75 billion, when I got to Sacramento in uh, 2012, the entire state budget that year was $80 billion. So to have a surplus of this magnitude is is pretty um, incredible and really shows the benefits of having a progressive taxation policy because we're we're benefiting from the the wealthiest one percent of Californians who are paying the bulk of the yeah. taxes. So can you make the case for these direct payments? I mean, obviously, as you said, there's been um, previous rounds in California. The federal government has sent out stimulus checks. What do we know about how that's helped families and and why economically do you and the governor and other Democrats think this is the best way to kind of go about coming out of this COVID-induced recession? 
Well, we knew before COVID that there were millions of Californians who were really on the verge of homelessness, who, uh, even if they were housed, were struggling to pay rent, struggling to buy food, just struggling to pay their bills. And so uh, we know that that got exacerbated for many of those families during COVID. And so while the federal government has provided a great amount of relief, we thought that we needed to provide additional relief. And in particular, um, there's a large group of working Californians who don't have documents who can't access federal aid. So we're very sensitive to, to them, also knowing that state aid is some of the only aid that they were going to get. Yeah. Um, you know, we were bracing a year ago for a very different situation. And I know that there's a lot of uncertainty still around sort of longer term budgeting. What's your message to Californians who maybe think we shouldn't be rushing to spend all this money or that maybe it could be put into longer term projects, infrastructure, things like that? I mean, what's the argument for doing this when the future does loom pretty uncertain? Well, we're going to be doing all of that. We're, we're going to be spending it on longer term projects. Uh, part of our thinking is we want to do a very large investment in higher education as well as early education, both TK and childcare. Uh, we also think that we should do significant infrastructure, uh, much of it in terms of housing and homelessness. And so we will be doing both, uh, given the size of this surplus. And on top of that, we will be paying down debts and we will be putting money aside for a reserve. So uh, we're going to be doing all of the above. Yeah. All right. I know you have to jump off and get to work, but I do, um, because you've been very outspoken on this, just want to pin you down on one thing. We heard the governor, I think more explicitly yesterday, call for an expiration of the distance learning uh, authorization that the legislature gave schools last year. Um, you know, say folks really need to be back in classrooms this fall. Is Are you feeling good about that? Uh, I've, I've been saying the same thing. I've, I've been letting people know. I just had a meeting with our state superintendent plus our Bay Area superintendents and reminded them that distance learning expires June 30th period and that they should be anticipating to be fully back in school five days a week, uh, especially given how low the COVID rates are today. The COVID rates today are as low as they were in March of 2020. And so we've made extraordinary progress. Assuming we continue to get vaccinated, we should be back in the fall five days a week. All right. You're telling a mom here, so I'm going to hold you. <laughs> well, I, have two, I have two children in public school in San Francisco, so I'm with you. I know. Assemblymember Phil Ting from San Francisco, also the Assembly Budget Chair. Thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. And I want to turn now to Scott Schaefer, senior editor at KQED's California Politics and Government Desk. Scott, um, what's your reaction to that? And, and broadly, like, what do you think, how are Democrats trying to frame this sort of politically as well as policy-wise? Yeah, you know, what, one thing that struck me in what the Assemblyman just said is, you know, you asked about infrastructure, long-term projects. He said, oh, we're doing that too. You know, this is, this is a this and that, not a this or that budget. There's so much money uh, that they can, yes, they can give back $12 billion in direct payments and they can put money into infrastructure and put, uh, you know, another eight, nine billion dollars into homelessness. And so this is, you know, in politics as in life, timing is everything. And the timing of this windfall could not be better for Democrats up in Sacramento. Obviously, with the recall, we, we can, we'll talk about that later. But that's, yeah. you know, that's the message, the underlying message here is. And I think, you know, how are they framing it? Uh, you know, the governor is not talking, or he didn't yesterday at least, about the recall. He, he's doing his job as he sees it. And part of that job is 
giving money back to taxpayers. Now, some of that uh, he would have had to do eventually, probably anyway, because of this sort of arcane GAN limit, which I won't get into, but uh, he's doing it before he really had to do that. And, you know, they're not going to say this, but obviously there is a very strong political reason for doing that now um, and and an economic reason. I mean, we still see the unemployment rate in California is 8.3% or so. That's about two percentage points higher than the national average. We've been hit really hard with uh, the entertainment and the hospitality sectors. And so, you know, these are folks who could, didn't have the option of working remotely. Um, but those who did work remotely, the wealthier folks, uh, they're paying for all this. Uh, you know, a lot of this funding is really coming from, as the Assemblyman said, taxes, high taxes on stock options, uh, IPO stocks being cashed in and so on. So this is really what the governor is doing this week. In a way, it's the Robin Hood tour. Yeah. And Alexi, um, just a couple minutes before break, and we're going to get into some of the details. But I'm curious, like, what you make of this. I mean, in a way, um, this this proposal to give money directly back to taxpayers should, I think, be something that Republicans can get behind? Well, I mean, you're never going to get behind something that's politically inconvenient. And, right. you know, whether or not it's a good idea, the reality is that we're barreling toward this recall. And so anything that Gavin Newsom does, you know, the response we saw yesterday from Republicans was either that it's not enough or that he's only doing it because he's facing an election. And so, uh, you know, the rhetoric the rhetoric is is certainly as combative as ever around an, an idea like this. I mean, they they say just lower taxes and then you won't have to give money back in the first place. Well, yeah, never give a foe a win, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We are talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposal, including $600 stimulus checks to taxpayers who make up to $75 a year. I'm talking with KQED's Scott Schaefer and San Francisco Chronicle's Alexi Kossif. Tell us what questions you have about the proposed stimulus checks. What would you do with that money? Does this change how you view Newsom and the recall attempt? You can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Today we're talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposals, uh, which will culminate on Friday when he presents the legislature with a May revise, but we're already getting some hints of what is in there. And um, we are now joined by Assemblymember David Chu. He represents District 17 in San Francisco. Assemblymember Chu, welcome to Forum. 
Thanks for having me on, Marisa. So I wanted to talk to you because you have been a really vocal um, proponent of putting, you know, a rent. Um, there was an eviction moratorium you helped craft last year that expires, I believe, in June. Um, we've already seen some rent relief go out, but um, the governor is really proposing to go even further. Tell us what he has told us so far and um, what what you like about it. So yesterday, Governor Newsom announced something that was really significant. Um, The fact is we have a large budget surplus and the governor has proposed uh, that in addition to the rent relief that we've already been doing, that we provide rent relief for 100% of back rent that is owed by individuals who could qualify for this, uh, which could be a tremendous game changer for so many families who are struggling right now. And so can you talk about the kind of nuts and bolts of this? I know that, that some housing advocates have concerns about the way that the, the the program has been administered, that the onus has been on landlords. I mean, are you guys looking to change it or is this really just about the infusion of cash? We are looking to both infuse cash, but also change the, the conditions under which folks receive it. So it's just easier for folks to get that money. So the context is since the beginning of this pandemic with so many folks who are out of work, who've lost income, we've had millions of Californians that have been one rent check, one paycheck away from being evicted. And we have cobbled together a number of eviction protections and eviction moratorium, but they effectively expire at the end of June. And what we know at this moment is um, the large, the vast amount of this money has not yet been uh, been applied for or have been processed. And in part, this has been because uh, the, the last eviction protections that we put in place required a landlord to agree to forgive 20% of the overall rent in order to receive um, significant financial assistance for the remaining 80%. And in a situation where a, a landlord did not agree to forgive a portion of rent, the tenant would only be eligible to receive about a quarter of that financial assistance. So uh, in other words, we still have a lot of tenants who are facing significant rental debt. What Governor Newsom said yesterday is he wants to provide 100% uh, relief for back rent, or put another way, what we understand is uh, is is not requiring landlords uh, to forgive a portion to make sure that we're really taking care of of all tenants. Um, there were significant concerns that I shared a couple months ago when we initially put the the initial frame in uh, that the level of relief that a tenant received we thought should not be contingent on whether a landlord was being cooperative. We think that all renters should get the same level of relief. What the governor said yesterday suggests that uh, he's prepared to, to move in that direction, particularly in light of all the money we have. So hopefully that will happen. But as they say, the devil's in the details. We have a lot of devils to work out uh, between now and the end of June, which is when current eviction protections are set to expire. Before I let you go, I know the governor in about an hour is going to be announcing um, some of the homeless uh, prevention and, and mitigation spending he's proposing. What are you looking for there, especially coming from San Francisco, where we've struggled with this for so long? Well, as uh, as uh, the Chronicle reporter Alexi, who's on this call with you at KQD, broke this morning, uh, the governor is proposing a significant investment in, in homelessness, uh, which is something that all of our cities desperately need. Uh, we want to make sure that not only is there an adequate level of investment to reducing homelessness, but there's there's real accountability 
on how that money is spent. Um, we know that uh, this is a crisis of epic proportion. We also know during this past year of the pandemic that uh, that we can move quickly to house folks through programs like Project Roomkey and Homekey that Governor Newsom had set up, um, but we need to do much more. Um, and so um, I'm very hopeful uh, with the governor's announcement that we'll be investing more money. Uh, and we need to see, again, both money and accountability as we move forward. All right, San Francisco Assemblyman David Chu, thanks for coming and uh, joining us today. Thanks for having me on. I want to bring in one of our callers, Stacy from San Francisco. You are on Forum. Hi there. Um, I uh, just wanted to comment on uh, the earlier uh, statement about the Republican proposal, you know, of just cutting taxes. That way you don't have to distribute it. And uh, that, I think, uh, you know, needs to be uh, addressed because just cutting taxes is far less beneficial to the overall economy, both on a headcount and in terms of economic activity, because if you just cut the taxes, those who are paying those taxes will tend to save rather than spend. And when you give the money to more people, uh, especially if they don't, if they're, uh, if they're in a more financially stressed situation, they will spend that money, which will get into circulation faster. So it's important to push back, I think. Uh, And uh, that's my comment. All right. Stacey in San Francisco. Thank you. Uh, Next, Brandy in Oakland. Brandy, you're on forum. Hi, um, I wanted to comment about the uh, stimulus checks and um, thinking, you know, that this should be something that becomes a, a regular occurrence. Uh, I think a living allowance was brought up um, somewhat in the, the last presidential campaign. And California is an expensive state and research shows that a living allowance um, can make a big difference for uh, low income families and um, especially for children. And so as opposed to these kind of one-and-done stimulus checks, I really think the state should look at how we can combat many of the problems that we have, homelessness, um, early childhood education, child care, with providing families uh, with a living allowance. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, Scott Schaefer, we've seen that proposal, what a lot of folks call like a universal basic income or something like that, um, have pretty great success in places like Stockton. Can you frame for us here, like how much between this and the federal stimulus, it seems like Democrats are really trying to take a big crack at these sort of bigger poverty issues right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one way to look at the how the governor and probably the legislature want to spend this money is it is a you know, you could say a transfer of wealth from the, you know, wealthiest one to five percent of Californians to people who are working class, unemployed, renters, um, you know, working moms who need help with child care. That's what that this is. Um, you know, just to reference the earlier caller, Stacy. Um, you know, this is sort of trickle, and rather than trickle down economics, it's trickle up economics. I mean, Republicans have always supported tax cuts, especially at the top. You know, that the theory being it'll it'll eventually get down to the bottom. And Democrats have long, you know, disputed that notion, and they're going in a different direction. As is Joe Biden, uh, the first uh, you know American rescue plan that he pa- that was passed, uh, the 1.9 trillion, has a lot of money and tax credits and changes in the law that will help these folks. So I do think you're seeing, uh, obviously, California and the Biden administration are very much on in sync on this strategy. Um, you know, of course, in California, we have to balance our budget. So this is a very, very good year, an extraordinarily good year. Uh, we don't know what next year is going to bring. Uh, right. So 
you know, they're, they're giving the money that they have now out now rather than cutting taxes, for example, uh, which, you know, would be a long-term situation that only the voters, you know, it would take two-thirds of the legislature or the voters to change. Yeah, and Alexi Kossif of San Francisco Chronicle, I mean, what is the sense of the kind of medium and, and, and longer-term budget you know, situation, because I know that um, schools, for example, are bracing for lower enrollment figures because of everything that's happened over the past year. I mean, how comfortable <laughs> should folks who rely on public services be with this surplus and, and what's going to happen in the coming years? I, I think it is important to emphasize that this seems to be a really good moment in time, but a temporary one. Um, part of the reason things look so good is because they seemed so bad last year and then things didn't turn out to be quite as dire as we expected. So a lot of this money is what's coming in above the really terrible expectations that we had for 2020, 2021. Um, there's, there's been warnings for months um, by state finance officials that going into the next couple of years, we're actually going to head right back to a deficit that very quickly all of our spending is going to outstrip the revenue. Um, we'll see Friday if that's still what they're projecting. But um, over the long term, there's really a lot of actually complicated budgeting issues that the state's going to need to figure out. So they're definitely trying to make the most of this moment right now when things are good. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, that's probably part of the argument for the one-time stimulus and programs where they're not committing to ongoing spending, right, Alexi? Exactly. And I would expect that's actually going to be potentially very contentious in over the coming month as the legislature and the governor sort of negotiate and debate what they want this final budget to look like. There's a lot of pressure on the governor to do certain things like expand uh, access to Medi-Cal, the state's uh, insurance program for, for poor people, to undocumented seniors, mm -hmm. which is something that Democrats have talked about doing for many years and almost did last year until the pandemic, uh, you know, wrecked the state's finances. And so is that policy, you know, priority going to win out or is sort of this view that the state can't adopt any new spending right now going to win out. I think that's something to, to keep an eye on in, in the next couple of weeks. We're talking about the state budget and our projected almost $76 billion surplus with Scott Schaefer, senior editor at KQED, and Alexi Kossif, state capital reporter at the San Francisco Chronicle. Um, do you have questions about the proposed stimulus checks or the, the larger budget picture? What do you think Governor Newsom should prioritize in this updated budget? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Barbara writes, I've not been paid for unemployment for over a month. I understand I must file taxes to get the $600 stimulus. I owe money. I cannot pay the taxes I owe because I have $88 in my bank account. Scott, I believe that there is a uh, an extension for folks, right? They don't actually need to file by the May 17th deadline. I think I saw that was by October or something. Do you know? Yeah, you, yeah, you can always ask for an extension. Uh, but uh, you know that that comment is a reminder of uh, what was in the news in the last few months, which was the debacle at the uh, the EDD, the Employment Development Department, and all the problems that the state was having with getting unemployment checks out to people. Um, you know, we've also seen at the federal level some. Uh, 
you know, concern, criticism of Biden uh, on unemployment insurance. Uh, he was clarifying yesterday that you can't uh, continue to get unemployment insurance if you re- reject a job offer that is a, you know, mm. sort of comparable job. So, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of there's a lot of nuances to all of this. I mean, what we've been talking about this morning are the, you know, the big broad brushes, but there's always uh, individuals and situations that are, you know, don't quite fit in with the template that uh, the governor has laid out so far this week. Yeah. And bus rights, maybe Alexi Costa, if you can take this one. What about those who haven't worked in a year so they did not file taxes, senior citizens who get SNAP or food stamps? Do they qualify? You know, this is this is part of the problem that, you know, no matter how you try and set up a a program like this, I don't think it's going to perfectly capture everybody who needs the help. I think we're still trying to understand all of the nuances of how this would work. You know, this is just an initial proposal. But um, the first round did include extra grants that were given to people dispersed through their social security supplement that they get from the state or through their welfare payments that they get from the state. So there, there could be through this a way to funnel some of that money back toward people through these um, social services programs that they're already enrolled in. I think that's going to be some of the, the nuance that the state needs to figure out in terms of how to how to reach the most people and do the most good with a program like this. Yeah, we got to find those folks to get them the money. Um, I want to bring in a caller. Michael in Mill Valley has a question, I believe, about uh, the GAN limit. Michael, go ahead. Thanks so much. Um, I'm just curious if there's been analysis from the governor's team about whether stimulus checks count as spending or not, because my understanding of the GAN limit has been that once the state receives it, you know, that it, like the, the, the stimulus check would might be characterized as spending and not just returning money to taxpayers, as the governor has has framed this. All right. And, you know, yeah. Because of that redistributional aspect. Uh, Alexi or Scott, who wants to take the gamblement? Maybe explain what that is. Scott, you want to yeah, <laughs> do it? I'm happy to do it. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Scott. Well, you can add to it. I mean, the GAN limit was passed by voters in the uh, right after Prop 13 passed in 1979, and it basically rolled back state spending to 1978-79 levels with annual increases for population increases, and uh, there's a whole formula for that. And uh, every now and then, the uh, state uh, spends more than the GAN limit. It. I think this last happened in 1986. The law has been modified now so that you have the state has to be over this GAN limit spending cap uh, for two consecutive years. The the truth is, I talked to H.D. Palmer yesterday from the Department of Finance. The state won't really know for another 18 months or two years whether or not we're over the GAN limit and and how much, more 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 to the point. So maybe so, not Newsom's problem. <laughs> it, well, it's not hardly a problem at all. But uh, yeah, right. It could be, it could be, Gen- be Jennifer Jennifer Caitlin Jenner's problem. Uh, but yeah, no, it's so. But he chose to, you know, uh, send out these stimulus checks now for reasons we talked about earlier. And Alexi, feel free to uh, go into the weeds deeper (laughs) yeah you want to add anything right well i mean this well just this is this is as scott pointed out a very rare situation um you know they the the state hasn't actually rebated any money in over 30 years so it's an interpretation that they're choosing to make that these rebates you know that these stimulus checks would count as a rebate and um 
I think there's going to, you know, as they have to finalize those numbers in, you know, I think they said by May 2023 is actually the time that they need to, to finalize um, how much would actually be due back to voters. There will probably be some kinds of shifting of money that's going to have to happen to, you know, square the circle of, of what actually went out and what exactly is owed. But but it wouldn't be. I mean, we're talking about way more money than the GAN limit would ever require a, a return to. And I think to the caller's point, right? No, you guys... no, no. They're they're estimating that we're going to be sixteen billion dollars over, okay. and half of that money is owed to schools, and half of that money is owed owed to taxpayers. So they're essentially saying, let's do this eight eight billion dollar rebate, and that that would sort of fit the requirements of this spending cap. Interesting. Um, Henry writes, I don't want to be skeptical, but it doesn't seem like the Democrats are using rich people. Doesn't it seem like the Democrats are using rich people's money to buy votes? That doesn't seem like a fair approach to party politics. Uh, Scott, I mean, I don't know that either party has cornered the market on that idea, right? No. I mean, Trump signed the stimulus checks yeah, in the election here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, we've seen some tweets yesterday from some recall proponents saying, ah, this is, ex you know, you can credit the recall for forcing Newsom to rebate all this money back to taxpayers. And, you know, there's probably a bit of truth to that. I mean, certainly I think we've all seen a change in his focus uh, since this recall became more of a reality a couple, few months ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's politics. All, budgets are in inherently political statements. And so, yes, the, you know, the, the, the listener is correct, but that is, uh, you know, that's the way it works. Yeah, we're going to get a, into the politics a little more after our break, which is coming up. Um, I, I do want to read this from Lilac, who writes, Lilac, who writes that setting the income eligibility threshold so low is another slap in the face to the middle class. Um I guess the estimates are that this will actually benefit some two thirds of Californians, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. But um, I think everyone's struggling in this moment. So understand we are talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposal uh, and the 75 plus billion dollar surplus the state is expecting with Scott Schaefer, senior editor at KQED and co-host of Political Breakdown and Alexi Kossif, state capital reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. What questions do you have about the proposed stimulus checks? Does this change how you view Newsom and the recall attempt? Give us a call now at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or email your questions to forum at kqed.org. We'll be back in just a few seconds and dig into the politics a little deeper. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply, not available in all areas, actual speeds vary.
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. We are talking about the state budget and Governor Gavin Newsom's latest proposal to send $600 stimulus checks to California taxpayers who make up to $75,000 a year. Joining me are Alexi Kossif, state capital reporter with The Chronicle in San Francisco, and KQED Scott Schaefer, senior editor for politics and co-host of Political Breakdown. I want to get into the politics with you both, and I have a couple comments that I'd like to read. One is, will the state be adjusting tax rates to be lower. And um, on that, Scott, I mean, there's a there's a political argument for a a check versus a tax rebate, right? I mean, this is something I think they the Democrats learned during the Obama years. Absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to see like less withholdings in your paycheck, you don't really doesn't strike you in the same way. And I don't think people deal with that additional money the same way you do if you open up the envelope and you see 600 or 1100 bucks on a check with your name on it you're going to go out as if you're a low or middle income working class person you're going to go spend that money you're not going to buy stocks or put it in the you know buy mutual funds or whatever and so that provides an immediate stimulus to the economy because you're buying stuff for your kids you're buying food you're whatever it is you're doing uh, as opposed to if you you know do those tax cuts say at the top uh, they don't really need that additional money those folks. And so it doesn't affect the uh, economy in the same way. Bill writes, I would be happy to get the extra $600. But as a small business owner, I would like to see the money it's already been proposed as small business grants get out. I know my small business is eligible for the money. What is taking so long to get that distributed? Alexi Kosov, do you have any idea about that? Uh, I wish I knew more. I mean, (laughs) I think this is a this has been a persistent problem, though, certainly throughout the pandemic, you know, the the state has created a lot of new programs. And what we're seeing is that the money can be very slow to get out the door. This this rent relief program, for example, so far, they've only approved, uh, I think, a couple hundred of the applications that have come in. And, you know, it's been a very slow process for, for people to get the help that they need. So other than, you know, the bureaucratic machinations of a massive state (laughs) government, I, I don't have any better answers. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, some of that did just get passed, I think, in that sort of supplemental spending. So um, fingers crossed for small business owners who we know have been struggling so much. Uh, Pam writes, I always like Jerry Brown's prudent mindset with wildfires, drought and the unsheltered situation. I would prefer to see more money set aside, not, quote, rushing to spend. And I want to bring in Franco from Santa Rosa, who has a similar concern. Hello? Hey, welcome. Hi, thanks so much for uh, taking my comment here. Um, I just wanted to sort of throw out there something that the last um, listener kind of uh, mentioned, which is, you know, the state having this one-time surplus, um, you know, we might want to consider using some of that money for, um, you know, for example, fire season that's about to be upon us. I know that's been plaguing the state for the last, you know, many years, and it's something that we don't have a really good answer to yet. I'm sure money could be well used there, as well as, you know, potentially something like a pandemic response uh, team for the state. Uh, you know, the, the public health system was kind of overwhelmed with what happened last year. And it, it might be a, a wise use of the money to try and set up a more robust system to uh, handle the next potential pandemic. Um, beyond that, you know, there's things like uh, climate change and the ever worsening drought. And I, I certainly understand the need to try and support uh, residents that, that need the help right now uh, financially. But as far as the absolute dollar value of, of what rebate checks would be, you know, I think there's room for discussion on potentially using some of that money uh, for the for the other needs of the state. 
Yeah. Franco, thanks for calling in. Um, we know that on Monday, Newsom did declare a drought emergency in 39 counties. That brings the total to 41. This is about a third of the state population covered by this. Um, and he is proposing about $5 billion of this $100 billion package for immediate drought response and long-term water resilience investments. Uh, but Alexei Kosev, I mean, can can the state walk and chew gum at the same time here? I mean, they are talking. We are we are seeing, I think, earlier preparation for fire season than we have in years past, at least. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things that's interesting is that the legislature and the governor have actually already approved uh, billions of dollars of spending from the surplus they anticipated months ago. And some of that was to prepare for a wildfire season that many expect is going to be really bad again this year. Um, I think it was just a couple weeks ago they approved 500 and something million dollars to uh, speed up some vegetation management projects and things like that. Uh, there could be more coming in this revised budget proposal. Again, this the amount of the stimulus is just so beyond what anybody was expecting. We don't know everything that mm-hmm. the governor wants to do with it, and we won't know till Friday. Um, all we know so far is is a couple of key items that he wanted to get out at, ahead of people and really get the big headlines on. So there certainly could be more emergency management type and uh, spending that's in that package. Yeah. And Scott Schaefer, I mean, we're getting a lot of comments, especially from folks in fire country about this issue. Um, What do we know? I know there was a poll just out today from uh, UC Berkeley's IGS Institute. What do we know about how popular Newsom is sort of geographically? Are there pockets where he's weaker and and does it, does it line up with any of the wildfire concerns? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, just in general, the Berkeley IGS poll, the top line question really was, how do voters feel about the recall of Governor Newsom? And what was, you know, interesting is that things have changed very little since they polled the same question in January. 36% of voters uh, support Uh, the recall today, 36% supported the recall in late January. Now, the number of folks who are against the recall has ticked up a little bit from 45 to 49, 15% today remain undecided. And yeah, there's always regions where, uh, you know, the red regions, the the, the counties where President Trump carried in 2016 and 2020, there's much more support there for the recall. But, you know, even in those regions, there's only one, the North Coast Sierra region, where 52%, a majority of voters actually support the recall. Of course, not a lot of people live in those places. Uh, But, you know, you compare that with, say, the Bay Area, just 25% of voters support the recall. Los Angeles, 28% support it. Uh, Even Orange County, you know, the bastion of conservatism is split down the middle, 45-45, with 10% undecided. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think that the governor has gotten much better grades generally than he did on specific issues like uh, wildfires uh, and certainly the pandemic. He's uh, he's getting a much higher approval rating on that than he did uh, back in January. There's a long, hot summer ahead, though. Yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, I, and actually, I should point out, asked about dealing with the threat of wildfires in particular, 31%, so less than a third, said he's doing a good or excellent job. That's uh, up only slightly from, uh, you know, a, more than a year ago. Um, we have some pretty practical questions and comments. I'm going to bring in a caller in a second, but we have one. Luis asks, what's the income level for stimulus eligibility for married couples filing jointly? Uh, I haven't seen this reported anywhere. Alexi, do you know the answer to that? Uh, my understanding is that it's a flat 
$1,000 per household limit. And this is part of the issue that, you know, where some people have had concerns about, you know, it not reaching them. But okay. my understanding is the way the state has structured it is that if someone is filing individually at 75000 and if someone is filing jointly, it's 75000 And so unfortunately, that is another place where people could be left out. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Well, we do not want to leave out caller Rosemary in Livermore. Rosemary, welcome to the forum. Hi, good morning. Hi, tell us what's on your mind. Well, I'm a little confused about why a person such as myself who has severe mobility issues, and I'm homeless, I live in a vehicle, I can't afford to pay this rent, I can't come here, I can't stay here, I can't go. So um, now there's this this amazing insistence on on having a uh, my tax returns done. I live on Social Security, and it's it means that I am not required to pay to um, have my taxes. taxes done. Yeah, because my income is so low. So it seems that of all people, of of the many people who need help, and the six hundred dollars or or whatever amount would be useful that I, I'm one of those people. And yet I'm being asked to jump through two hoops to, um, to be able to get this accomplished, to, to be able to allow, to be allowed to have this $600. And it's very, very difficult, if not mm-hmm. impossible for me to do so. I don't, I don't have the money to pay to have my taxes right. filed process. I don't have the mobility issue. All right. I don't yeah, have no, thank you. Yeah, Rosemary, I hear you. And I mean, obviously, there's issues with technology and, and, and time. Um, Scott or Alexi, we kind of hit on this earlier, but do we know if the state is going to be trying to do outreach and figure out ways to make this easier for folks? Or is it too early yet? I think it's too early, but you know, one good thing uh, for people like Rosemary is that there are nonprofits out there. And even I think you know, some for-profit tax return folks, uh, companies that will help you uh, in situations like that where you haven't filed, you have questions, uh, or you can't afford to file, you know, so there there are some resources out there for people like Rosemary. I don't know the details of what the state is going to do in that regard. Maybe Alexi does. Alexi, any ideas on how I, folks... I, we have another listener writing in who said they didn't get the st- first stimulus check and um, are trying to find out about how to how to qualify because they're low income. No, I mean, I think this is, uh, you know, this is unfortunately, uh, people are bringing up a lot of really valuable points about some of the shortcomings of, of a system. The, the state is choosing to do it this way because it's easiest for them to sort of find people and reach them, you know, through, through you know, this kind of paperwork. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that does mean that people get left out. I know that in the first round, they were trying to get around some of that by giving these extra grants through, you know, um, through CalWORKs or through, uh, you know, the Social Security supplemental income, um, you know, to reach some of those other people. I'm not sure if that's going to be a part of this second round. It seems like this second round is really about trying to reach people who didn't benefit from the first round of checks. Um, But I think this is probably a, a question, you know, worth worth asking the state about, you know, how are they going to reach people who, who 
who have been left behind. And, and Maurice, I would just encourage yeah. folks, rather than trying to call like the Employment Development Department, which will be <laughs> left on hold forever, call your legislator's office. They mm-hmm. do have constituent service people, or they should if they're well-run offices, who can you know help run interference uh, You know, if you have questions, if you have problems. And someone's you're almost like certain to get somebody on the phone, like a human being that can really help you or at least try to help you. So I would start at that level then, rather than trying to reach Sacramento. We are talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposals and uh, with Scott Schaefer at KQED and Alexi Kasif of the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, Casey writes, I hope someone sues the state and forces them to truly refund actual taxpayers <laughs> under the GAN limit instead of this workaround stimulus check, uh, as we <laughs> discussed earlier, that uh, might take a few years if it does happen. This is a fundraising period for many public radio stations. I'm Marisa Lagos. All right, we are continuing to talk about Governor Gavin Newsom's latest budget proposals, and I want to um, get uh, Scott, maybe you first, and then Alexi. I mean, what else do you expect to see this week? We've 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 now covered housing and homelessness in the past few days. He's made a drought, you know, proposal. Um, we've you know talked about obviously these direct stimulus packages, childcare spots. He announced on Mother's Day a hundred thousand new childcare spots. Scott, anything else you'll be looking for in the next couple of days? Well, we know he's going to be doing. He's in San Diego today talking about homelessness. Then he'll be in LA tomorrow. I think he's going to be in Salinas and uh, Stockton and then Thursday back in Sacramento. So he's going to roll out different aspects of this. I mean, he hasn't really talked much about the pandemic, which I think most people would say is the largest issue facing California still today. And so I would expect him to maybe announce some additional initiatives around that, Uh, probably some additional things around uh, undocumented immigrants, perhaps things that are, you know, on the Democratic Party wish list. Um, He's already talked a bit about climate change. We may hear some more about that. Maybe, you know, who knows, money. I'm just guessing here. But like, you know, uh, tax credits for weatherizing your house or getting solar panels. I think there's so many possibilities, and and I'm sure we're going to hear about all of these uh, in the days ahead. One thing that I haven't heard about um, is high-speed rail. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is the thing that, of course, has been a boon, not a boondog, I shouldn't say that. Some people would say that, but it's been lacking for money. Uh, and, uh, you know, there is so much money now, and yet we haven't heard really anybody embracing that. That, of course, was Jerry Brown's pet project, uh, but not so much Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Before I go to Alexi, um, our colleague Guy just slacked me. KQED actually has an entire story up on our website about how to get your California stimulus check and other tax credits you're entitled to. If you Google KQED and stimulus check, uh, you can find that and, and hopefully get some help with uh, some non- some of those nonprofits we were referring to. Alexi Kasev, what what are you looking for next? What else do you think Newsom will try to uh, to, to sprinkle out over this week? <laughs> Yeah, well, I would I would say certainly probably a lot of one time spending. What are the areas that the governor thinks he can make an impact without committing the state to programs down the line? So, um, you know, maybe we'll see things like big investments in, you know, rebates for electric cars as the governor pushes, you know, us to to phase out gas powered vehicles by 2035. Um, Another thing, obviously, is what are we going to do about schools? Right. Everybody is wondering you know, what is the state going to do and how much is it going to step in to make sure that classrooms are actually open in the fall? Um, there's certainly a lot of money out there, but uh, the, in- the types of incentives that the state has offered so far don't necessarily uh, seem to be making the difference in more reluctant districts. So I think that is going to be a big, big question yeah. for the governor. 
Um, I'm going to actually call her Heather in Berkeley. Has uh, uh, Squeeze her in before the end of the hour. Heather? Yes, hi. Actually, that was just to the very point about um, public school funding. Um, a lot of our um, buildings and supplies are in need of refreshing. Um, you know, over the years, our budgets have been cut tremendously. Um, and so wondering about putting some of that money back into elementary, middle and high school ed- public education, pay it forward so that in the future, our economy is better. Uh, and Alexi, Kossif, I mean, a lot of this money will go to schools, but uh, I think this caller is saying maybe even more. <laughs> and, and, and it's possible. I mean, uh, you know, the gov- so because of the way the, the, the budget is structured, um, essentially 40% of the money has to go to schools. But the governor over the last couple of years has actually, you know, tweaked it up slightly even higher than that. Um, when when he could. And so, yes, exactly. Maybe he will use this opportunity with all of this, you know, cash the state is sitting on to put even more toward an area that he has seemed to prioritize in his past couple of budgets. Yeah. And Scott, I mean, that seems like a potential political landmine for the governor. If if parents don't feel like their kids are back in class or don't feel like if they're not back in classrooms in the fall, right? Yeah, although, you know, as we've seen, that's not all on the governor. There's a lot of hesitation on the part of parents and some high school students as well. Uh, we saw this a story yesterday in the LA Times that uh, the school, high schools are open there, and I think, was it 8% of high school students had returned to uh, in-person learning. So, you know, the governor can do so much. Uh, but as uh, you know, Guy Marzarati reported yesterday, there will be no money in the budget, presumably for distance learning as there is now, um, because he you know, really wants those kids back in their seats in the classrooms. Um, but uh, you're right. I mean, there's always going to be parents who are feeling stretched and angry. I think a lot of the anger over the recall, the people that signed the petition were parents who were mm-hmm. angry, you know, at uh, the schools being closed. Yeah. And Bruce, uh, one of our listeners was curious if the the state would be using the same flawed system to send out ED checks to California citizens as the EDD program. I do not think those are linked, <laughs> Bruce. Um, I also want to let folks know that we have posted that resource, How to Get Your Stimulus, on our Twitter and show page for this segment. So if you go to kqed.org slash forum, you can find that. Um, we've been talking about Governor Gavin Newsom's budget proposals. More to come this week. Thanks to KQED's Scott. Scott Schaefer and the San Francisco Chronicles, Alexi Kasef. I really appreciate you both being here. Thank you. And tomorrow we'll be back to talk more about the recall. Um, You've been listening to Forum. I'm Marisa Lagos. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Amina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.